Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And wow. Wow, the Cats really do have a habit of making everyone look stupid, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I think this was the first time that we ever fully predicted both of us at the same time to a loss. And of course, we come out and get one of the biggest wins in program history. And you know what? Fine with it, but they really did pick a week to make everybody look stupid. I'll take it. And to our credit, we didn't say that, you know, Oklahoma was invincible. In fact, we said quite the opposite. We said that they're a very beatable team. Yeah, that is true. Lo and behold. But if you we were getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, if you didn't hear somehow and you're listening to this podcast, I, I don't know how you got here if you haven't heard of the result, but I suppose it's possible. It was a massive, massive, a big, 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 big win. Big Wildcat victory versus number six in the country, Oklahoma in Norman, 41 to 34. That 34 comes from a garbage town touchdown in which Dylan Gabriel pulled the stereotype of Adrian Martinez. Dylan Gabriel is padding his stats. (laughs) And... You know, it really is just what a difference one week can make, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're you're telling me, but yeah. I mean, so much went into this, and I mean, like, it's hard not to mention something right now that like won't be relevant like later. Uh, so I don't want to like spoil any of the takes or anything. Mm-hmm. So like, we might as well just get right into it, like, and start talking about important stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just before that. We've won three of the last four meetings. Chris Kleiman does not lose to OU without the referee's interference of a double kick. And this has moved Kansas State to number 25 in the country, leapfrogging the most aggressively mid-team in the country. So there is that. Let's move in to the general takeaways from game day. First one is uh, last week we were saying we got ha- we hoped we got half of what Adrian Martinez was at Nebraska. Nebraska decided, said, you want half, I'll give you double. And I absolutely, for everything negative that I said about him, that we said about him last week, he decided to throw that right back in our face. And honestly, I love him for it. Yeah, I mean, he's been hearing a lot and the noise has been getting louder and louder around his uh, performance and he really picked quite a time to have arguably the best game in his entire career which is saying quite a bit considering that he's in his uh, fifth season now starting so I mean there, there there's really not a, a negative thing that you can take away from his performance I'd say it, it was one of the best QB performances I've ever seen and he he, he really did do he, he obviously earns the game ball i mean there's no question but he got a helmet sticker on a college football uh final uh for doing really good and i mean yeah the uh, the fan base was lobbying a lot of negative stuff around about him people have been doing that since week one uh so the this should silence the haters and uh really convert the fan base assuming that he continues to 
do even half of what he did against OU because that would be like an acceptable QB performance, I think, in most games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what what an incredible performance. There's not enough superlatives in the world uh, to describe it, I think. Yeah. Next general takeaway is, again, a con- in a reversal of last week, Klein came out with a plan. Whereas last week I said I didn't really know what Colin Klein's plan was. This one, I not only knew what his plan was, but I loved his plan. Because the entire game plan, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil the grade I'm going to give him for game day grades, but from this segment you can tell it's high. The His entire game plan was based off of numbers and the passing strength. We were taking the free access yards. We were throwing the bubble screen to Phillip Brooks when we had numbers on the outside. We were willing to run the ball when we had numbers on the inside. And we were willing to use Adrian Martinez as a plus one in the running game, which made everything about the offense work so much better because it wasn't an offense where we were just throwing things at the wall or lack thereof in terms of throwing. We were genuinely looking at what they were giving us, looking at how to attack the defense numbers wise, and then doing it. And it's awesome. And I love it. Connor, what do you think? I also love it. Um, it, it felt, um, well, off the bat, the execution was significantly better um, this week. Uh, clearly, everybody got a wake-up call uh, this past week, and they they put forth significantly better effort across the board. And it, it was exactly what we've been hoping for, I think. Um, honestly, this performance kind of lends itself to the conspiracy theory that we were hiding the playbook uh, <laughs> for non-conference, uh, or at least... Uh, some additional stuff uh, that we were maybe hiding. Um, but also some of it does lend itself to uh, uh, Adrian uh, playing overly conservative, which I mean, I think is obvious at this point, yeah. but yeah, Klein, he had a really great attack plan. This is one of the better offensive performances case states had in my lifetime uh, over 500 total yards and left a lot of yards on the field. Honestly, uh, this is a game that case. probably could have won by uh, more points than it did. I'd say not a ton more because OU, to be fair, did leave some points on the field. But uh, Klein was excellent uh, in this game. It seemed like situational play calling was uh, clicking on all cylinders in this game. So absolutely loved it. Absolutely. And then the, the first thing to notice was we got out to an absolutely torrid start and we never we never trailed in this game. Which, when I saw that stat, it took me a second to think about it, because I'm like, oh, wait. No, that's right. We actually didn't. Huh. But yeah, we ended up getting to a, a 14-0 start, and it looked like we were going to boat race Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we they, the offense looked like it could do no wrong uh, to start this game. Uh, um, from it, it was a little shaky at first. I think Adrian had like a throw that was a little bit behind Phillip Brooks uh early on but that was, but then like third down you know we pick up like a, a gutsy first and uh then on the third down adrian uh, gets another uh big conversion and uh benson had a nice play on that drive as well uh and then end up uh, taking it in for uh for a touchdown and that was only after one drive but we came out with a plan that kind of stuck throughout the whole game it didn't feel as much like uh, some of maybe the like Messingham. I hate to bring a Messingham right now, but I think it's relevant. Uh, uh, 
like like where he scripted great opening drives uh and knew exactly how to attack opponents but then from then on it kind of felt like it was a little aimless for a little while it felt like we came in with a opening drive uh like skeleton of like hey here's what we should generally do and we continue to do that throughout the game for the most part with a few additional wrinkles added in like the uh the screens really came into play uh, in the second half it felt like uh the philip brooks but um, I, I, I liked the uh, conviction that we had to stick with what was working and add to it rather than going away from what was working. We we took what we had going for us and then just made additions to it that were natural within the flow of our game plan. And I, I felt like they were intelligent additions. I, I liked what we did. And again, a lot of it does come down to execution because if we ran the same plays, but then like, nothing was working and it was all drops and stuff, we'd be still angry at Klein. But a lot, a lot of the... Um, credit also so has to go to him for getting the team prepared with it as well yeah and also we added the qb sneak to the playbook <laughs> we did we did we we went back and checked the 2012 playbook before this game and we saw the qb sneak and we went ahead and added that in um, i wanted the clown car formation but hey i'll take a qb sneak <laughs> that will that will come with time we have we have to build it by layer by layer this is the foundation to the clown car but we will get there all right Next is the defense did exactly what it had to do. And Kleinerman said it best in his press conference. Oklahoma's offense is entirely based off of making you wrong no matter what. The best that you can do is hope to contain it. And again, you know, you look at the score, it's, oh, it's a one score game. One of those was a garbage time touchdown. The defense did exactly what it needed to. Aside from a couple busts in coverage and, Omar Daniels getting caught looking at the the quarterback a little too much and then getting toasted by Marvin Mims, which that could have happened to anybody really could have. I'm still not sure I enjoy that matchup, but still that literally could have happened Mm -hmm. to anybody. The defense did exactly what it had to do. Yeah, the defense wasn't like lights out or anything like that, but I don't think anybody expected them to do so. I think what we needed the defense to do was slow them down uh, and get some big stops when we needed them to. And when it mattered, the defense came through uh, and they were able to, for the most part, hold them. Yeah, there were a couple of big plays that uh, really hurt and we got away with a few as well. Um, but that's that's part of defense really is uh, getting away with whenever you do eventually mess up because you will uh, getting away with it. And we did. And they they did what was necessary in this game and no more this wasn't a dominant defensive performance like we've seen but we were never going to do that against OU because there's plenty of arguments about if this OU team is as good as they have been in the past but they still have an electric offense they're still uh, Oklahoma yeah they're still Oklahoma they still have some great weapons um but but yeah the the defense uh got to be proud of how they performed absolutely and the next big story was after last week where we went three and 20 on third and fourth downs combined this week, we went, ended up going nine for, I mean, yeah, no 10 for 19, eight for 17 on third and two for two on fourth down, including the, what was seemingly hopeless third and 16 where Adrian Martinez slid right in front of the O year yell leader. And then the yell leader decided now was his time that he was going to try and enter the cipher. <laughs> and then Adrian Martinez just took a bow like 10 yards away from him to score a touchdown, like three plays later. <laughs> <That's> so funny. 
Yeah, I don't know what the objective was there for the Yell leader. That was certainly something, I guess. But um, yeah, um, eight for 17 on third down, two for two on fourth. Can't ask for much more, especially I think setting the tone early with uh, two of three on third down and the one third down we didn't convert. We got the fourth down. Uh, so um, setting that tone early uh, was big. Um, and then, yeah, the of course, the big third and 16 run. I've watched that play probably about 10 times already. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been taking study breaks just to watch the play again. <laughs> I scared I scared my cat, unfortunately, when that when that happened. Maple, uh, unfortunately, Maple. was frightened, but she she will learn. That's fine. And it's okay, Maple. She'll be OK. But it, it was a much, much better uh, performance. Uh, um, those uh, third and fourths. Granted, a lot of that was better performance on first and second, I'd say, because a lot of those third and fourths were closer down in distance than what they were against Tulane. So that's better execution overall to make those third and fourths uh, a little better. You know, of course, the third and 16 is an outlier there, but that's just a <laughs> phenomenal play. So, yeah. And final general takeaways, quietly, the kicking game looked considerably better which we mentioned that it's it's been a week by week improvement with Chris Tennant and this week he was he was perfect when we needed him to be so congratulations Chris Tennant it seems like he's finally figured it out yeah and he deserves to uh um to get the credit i feel like specifically right yeah. now because uh he uh, he there was a lot of noise and uh vitriol i feel like around the kicking game uh, in the first couple of weeks, and rightfully so to a degree. But on the flip side, when he does do well, you do need to acknowledge that, I think. So, no. uh, yeah, him going two for two on field goals, even if they're chip shots still, that's big uh, in a one-possession game. And then five of five on extra points. Uh, really, really nice job for Chris Tennant. Yeah, absolutely. So just give him the credit he so deserves, especially if you're if you're one of the people like dumpstering on him. Like, first off, Why? And secondly, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. But now let's go into the statistics for the game. I'll take passing and rushing. And Connor, you can take receiving and defense, if that sounds good to you. Fine by me. All right. It's a signature Alley Cats figuring it out in the middle of the episode. (laughs) But in terms of passing, it was all done by 9 a.m. Time to wake up. Adrian Martinez, he went 21 to 434 with 234 yards with a long of 27, a touchdown. And notably, he was not sacked once. And a lot of that was, you know, a solid offensive line performance and amazing pocket awareness on his part. And if you trust PFF, he actually had a much higher completion percentage. He had a 75% adjusted completion percentage with a drop rate of 12.5%. And before you thought that we were done with Adrian Martinez, no, we have rushing stats where he was the leading rusher on the day with 21 attempts, 148, no losses, and four total touchdowns, including the 55-yard scamper to basically close out the game. Deuce was 25-123, only lost seven, so a net of 116, and only averaged 4.6, which is still good, but, you know, only by Deuce's standards. DJ Ginn's got two carries whenever Deuce's visor was fogging up. 
Is that what was happening? Yes, because he was wiping off his visor because he either it was either fogging up or he got sweat in his visor and he couldn't see. Because they panned over to the the sideline camera and you just see him with the towel like aggressively scrubbing the inside of his helmet. You see, I I, I saw him doing that, but I thought he was just like messing with it. So I figured they were just giving him a rest because he got like four straight carries. But that yeah. that would be really funny. And Giddens, he I thought to his credit, he looked really good. Yeah. Uh, for his two carries, uh, yeah. especially the twelve yarder, he's going to be special, I think. And we've been he talking really about is. him for almost a year at this point. But yeah, yeah. And then obviously, I mean, you can't say enough about uh, Adrian's performance. One forty-eight uh, on the ground. One forty-eight, yeah, is incredible. The four rushing touchdowns, uh, reminiscent of uh, Skyler's game in twenty nineteen, where he had the four rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, it was posted by somebody uh, somewhere on Twitter. That it was a Reddit post first. Yeah, it was a Reddit post first and stolen placed on Twitter uh, that the rush for the fourth and final touchdown for Adrian uh, was the exact same play call uh, that Colin Klein ran back in 2012 uh, to take the lead for good against OU uh, when OU was also ranked number six. Uh, and I believe it was almost the same day when it happened as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... It's like uh, maybe, poetry, it rhymes. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps a good omen uh, to look forward to there. But yeah, he also quietly had a great day passing. He really only had one bad throw, truly bad throw, I'd say. And that was the deep throw that was supposed to go to Malik. That was just off target, but Malik made oh, yeah. <laughs> an excellent defensive Casual play there. offensive. No, that's just a clean hit. It's a clean hit. <laughs> he, he got i like i truly think it was i he got there as the ball got there i have yeah. no issue with what malik did oh i don't uh, either especially because yeah. it benefits us <laughs> yeah but that was a nice heads up play by malik and probably what was malik's best game in years i'd say yeah. uh but and then yeah deuce was deuce he made some guys look silly um what doesn't show up on the stat sheet with deuce is uh he his pass protection was actually really great um Bill Snyder back Deuce Vaughn. Bill Snyder all the he must have been loving Deuce Vaughn's game with the way that he was pass blocking. So yeah, Deuce was was phenomenal. Adrian, of course, the the highlight of the of the show, taking a bow at the end there, which I don't think many people realized was a response to Braden Willis of OU uh taking a bow on the previous touchdown uh to make it a one possession game. And yeah. then Adrian doing that, that was a response. I, I, don't, I don't think people, many people realize that, but <laughs> I love uh, that. But he so didn't like, he didn't like that. He didn't like that. <laughs> he took exception to that. He did. Um, but we'll move to receiving now. Uh, there's only so much that you can say about Adrian without repeating yourself. Uh, I suppose we can kind of get into some of his other throws a little later, but yeah. Ben Sennett, he leads the way in receiving. Uh, four catches for one, yards. He is wide receiver one as things stand. Until people start covering that seam route to Senate, then yeah. But he unironically he did have a great day. Um his uh one big effort catch he had, I think it was the second or third quarter, where he seemingly was dragging like half the OU defense behind him. And if that's the sort of thing we can be looking forward to. Makes sense why we haven't seen as much Wheeler this season because Senate he he's really been excellent thus far, uh, or at least in this game he was. And uh, then Philip Brooks he had the most receptions on the day, but a lot of them were screens, so not as many yards available. Seven catches for fifty six yards. To his credit, though, he was making a, a lot of times he was making something out of nothing. 
uh, on those screens where he's making guys miss. And he might have only gotten two yards, but he avoided a four-yard loss. So uh, kudos to Phillip Brooks. He did have uh, at least one drop and uh, uh, two drops. And he um, one of them, I think, was more catchable than the other. Because uh, I think they're considering the th- early throw from Adrian a drop, uh, even yeah. though it was behind him. Um, but uh, you know, in a game where you win against a big team, it's easier to forget the traps. I'll say. Um, uh, moving on to Malik, he had four catches for fifty-two yards and a touchdown on a slant route. I think it might be the first time I've ever seen. I, this is like the first time I've seen K State run slants since Byron Pringle got like an eighty-yard touchdown. Against yeah, TCU for it. Malik just big boyed the corner. We he need did. to like this is the first time. And this was probably one of my biggest gripes with with the previous administration and its offense was that it just didn't take advantage of Malik's size. Like, pause. But it just didn't <laughs> it didn't it didn't take advantage of the fact that Malik is a six four wide receiver. He's yeah. bigger than most other corners. Like he can just big boy them. And he did yeah. that on the slant. Yeah, he did. That, that was a big effort catch. Great throw as well, because uh, that, that that's a throw that to let Malik use his size, it does need to be uh, in the right spot. And Malik, he made that catch. He also had uh, some nice plays later, uh, like the catch. I think it might have been fourth quarter where he really uh, had to leap to get it mm-hmm. on the sideline. That was a really nice play by Adrian rolling out to uh, his weak side uh, off his back foot. Uh, perfect placement. Um, Malik had a really, really nice day, I thought. Then he also had a really big kick return as well. Uh, this time he cut it inside and did not get tackled by the kicker uh, because of it. This, he did still get stopped by the kicker eventually, I think, but uh, the cut inside was actually warranted this time. Uh, Cade Warner, he had three catches for 26 yards. He did have a bit of a rough day, uh, to be honest. Uh couple big drops uh for Cade uh, especially on what was an incredible play by Adrian if this if it was a completion it was arguably his best play of the day oh yeah uh, or at least his best throw I'll say um where Adrian's uh running out of the pocket because a free blitz is about to get there he scrambles out and then on the run drops it in the bread basket for Cade and granted I to to Cade's credit he was covered heavily on this play but regardless Cade allegedly has the best hands on the team really needs to make the catch there it did not matter in the long run so I'm not going to hold this against Cade permanently but and also he's still living on he is still living on goodwill from uh the incredible catch against Tulane even if again it did not matter um Cade um did still come away with three catches for 26 yards and also recovered the onside kick at the end uh so a nice fitting way to end that. Um, then Deuce had two catches for 13 yards. Uh, he's been pretty much bottled up in the passing game this year. Not a lot happening for him. RJ Garcia, RJ Garcia sighting. Good job, RJ. He had Good one job, catch RJ. for seven yards. Uh, happy to see him get involved. I would like to see him get more targets. Some of those Phillip targets, I think, could also go to RJ. Uh, yeah. In some situations, I'd like to. I really want him to get the ball in space. Uh, and then Sammy Wheeler, they targeted him once, and it was simply a great play by an OU defensive back in the end zone. Yeah. Um, granted, the throw was a smidge too late. Uh, also, Phillip was a little, a little bit more open, uh, a little bit further to the right. But 
splitting hairs. So that does it for receiving. Ace, what do you have anything to add about receiving? No, um, not not that we won't get into in the uh, in the game day grades. No. All right. Then I'll get into the defensive stats. Um, Kobe Savage had 11 tackles, eight of them solo. Uh, really nice day for him in the tackling uh, department uh, in some regards. Um, coverage, he did let Drake Stoops get behind him once. Uh, should have been a touchdown, honestly, but it was an overthrow from Dylan Gabriel. So uh, he can uh, I'll thank the football gods for that, I guess. Yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky yeah. than good. Yes. Julius Brents, he had a... A uh, pretty nice day. He had a pass breakup, uh, played really good coverage throughout the game, uh, and had nine tackles uh, with half a tackle for loss and some really big hits again. He has been hitting people with anger throughout he, this entire year. He took I don't know that she, he's not good in run defense stuff seriously. Yeah, I don't. I don't mad. know what changed. I don't know what changed for Julius, but he he has become a different guy in run defense this year. Uh, Austin Moore had also nine tackles and half a tackle for loss, although his half tackle for loss was a half sack, uh, which he shared with uh, Jalen Pickle. Only time we got home, only time either team got home to the QB um, this whole game. Josh Hayes had eight tackles, half a tackle for loss. He had a pretty nice day, I felt. Uh, had some really nice coverage moments as well. Uh, Cheatham, he had five tackles, uh, all huge tackles. Uh, um, I I could have sworn one of those tackles was a TFL, but I think it was right at the line. Um, the line that was on a swing screen. It was. And uh, he he made a great play there because that's probably a big play if he doesn't do it. It's a touchdown if he doesn't yeah. make that play. Yeah, he he was huge there. Um, Jalen Pickle, he had five tackles, half a tackle for loss, uh, and that half sack, as well as a QB hurry. Uh, Daniel Green had four tackles. Echo Boydo had four as well. Felix had four and half tackle for loss with a pass breakup. TJ Smith had three tackles and limited snaps, but honestly it looked pretty good. I felt um, Khalid Duke. I felt like he was doing a good job rushing the passer and making Dylan Gabriel uncomfortable. He had three tackles. Robert Hens had a quiet day, but he did get two tackles. Desmond Purnell had two tackles and a half tackle for loss. I uh, don't remember who he split that with, but the Nick Allen had two tackles and almost got a sack, uh, but Dylan Gabriel was just a little bit too quick. Uh, Eli Huggins had two tackles, uh, both in run defense, I believe, and they were both pretty nice. Then the group of Sincere Mason, BJ Payne, Brendan Mott, Cody Stuffelbean, they all uh, had one tackle. And then Uso Samalo had two uh, pass breakups at the line of scrimmage on that last OU drive. He's going to be so good. He's going to be so good. He's going to be a monster. He already is, honestly. But he, he just needs to... Uh, get a little bit stronger, get a little, little bit more of the playbook under his belt. He's going to be phenomenal. I love seeing him get some late snaps just to put in a fresh body uh, in the middle against those uh, OU offensive linemen that have been uh, playing the entire game. I like that strategy by Klanderman there. But and uh, dunking on Dylan game. <laughs> yeah, literally but, just which, dunked but it, honestly, on him. Honestly, it's so, it's so rude of Klanderman to do that, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, to say, all right, yeah, your offensive line's really tired. Like, we're just going to put in this 340-pounder that's not played a snap this entire game. Have fun, guys. <laughs> and like, then he and dunks he, on them twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he was he was fighting through triple teams uh, just because of uh, his stamina, because uh, he hadn't been playing all game. I really, really like 
uh, that I haven't seen that spoken about much. I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously the past breakups been talked about quite a bit because it was funny that it happened twice. And then, um, he, but not a lot, I think has been said about the, the strategy of subbing him in, which was her whole, there's a whole subtopic about substitutions in this game. <laughs> and, uh, the, yeah, that, that does it for defensive stats. Uh, I guess we can throw in, Ty Zentner averaging 47.4 yards per punt on five punts, two inside the 20, two of 50 plus. He has been awesome Lives this up whole to year. His name. Yeah. Legatron is having quite the year. He had a long of 54. Uh, granted, Michael Turk for OU had a phenomenal day as well. He had a long of 60, average 51.2. Uh, great day for him, too. Uh, credit to him. It's easy to credit the other team's punter. So, but, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah, feel they, bad doing it. Yeah, and Chris Tennant, perfect on the day. Five of five on PATs, two of two on field goals. Both were inside a 30, which has kind of been a kryptonite for him. So, honestly, it's a bigger deal bigger than deal I think. think. Yeah, it's a bigger deal than most, than it would be for most kickers, I suppose, is a good way to, to say that. But, yeah, that does it for individual stats, I believe. Yep. All that said, we can move on to game day grades. If you're unfamiliar, we go through every single position group, including the coordinators, giving them a grade from A plus to F. A plus meaning they basically single-handedly won us the game, and F meaning they single-handedly lost us the game. And as always, we're going to start with the most important position on the field, and that is the quarterback. And, you know... You know, I I think maybe Adrian Martinez maybe missed a few throws out. There. Shut up. He gets an A+. Leave him alone. He I was responsible an, yeah. for five touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I gave him an A++. I don't know if that's allowed, but I'm going to do it anyways. You can do what you want. It's, it, it's our show. We're like, Who's yeah. going to stop us? Because <laughs> not only did he uh, win us this game, he did so in style and uh shut the haters up so i gave him an extra plus for what i think was truly an all-time performance uh for k-state football uh so i mean what else can you say when he goes 21 to 34 for 234 and a touchdown and arguably arguably he did leave points on the field in the passing game uh and then rushing uh saves the game there at the end third and 16 going 55 yards uh getting the four touchdowns doesn't lose any yards uh, rushing the ball. Uh, and a lot of that, again, is part of his pocket presence. Granted, offensive line deserves credit for that, but uh, he, as well as pocket presence, was phenomenal against OU. He was completely dialed in. Yeah. Uh, not much can be said that hasn't already been said about Adrian. He only had one bad throw, but I simply don't care because yeah. the rest of his game was so phenomenal. Yeah, I'm just saying, if if we got this Adrian Martinez every single game, Adrian Martinez would probably be a genuine, like he'd probably finish top three for the Heisman if we got this performance from him consistently. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, and this would be a team that would almost no doubt in my mind get to Arlington if we got this Adrian every single game and the defense shows up every week. If we got this Adrian Martinez every single week, I don't think Arlington is the ceiling, but... That's true. You you might be right, but... But hey, that's um, that's speculation at this point. Point is, Adrian Martinez had an absolutely generational game, and he was the Adrian Martinez that we were hoping we were going to get, and maybe even a little bit more for this game. 
And yeah. especially coming off of this is there's another person. Well, no, I'm not going to spoil that yet, but this is the first person in the history of game day grades to go from an F to an A plus in one week. And I, I want to say that I hope that happens again, but I don't because I never want to give anyone a ha- an F again. <laughs> but Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, it there's not enough that can be said about this quarterback performance. So A plus Adrian Martinez. Next up is the running back room. Now, this is one that I ended up just giving an A because it was an amazing performance. And the only thing missing from it was a touchdown. If there was a touchdown, easily an A+. But then again, Adrian Martinez kind of vultured a few of those opportunities at the goal line. Literally just copy-paste what you said and put it under my name. You took every point that I was going to make verbatim. Uh, I gave an A as well for the exact reason that they were great but didn't have a touchdown. And that was the only thing holding them back. Uh, So I I won't linger on this too much because, I mean, Deuce still had an incredible day, 25 for 116. I mean, that's a Deuce Vaughn day. We're used to that. And then DJ Giddens was good in his uh, handful of snaps. So, yeah. Next up is the wide receivers who will be receiving the lowest grade this week. But even then, they're only getting a B minus for me. Now, you may be saying that seems a little low, especially, you know, on a day that the passing game had a lot of success. The reason why I end up giving them a B minus is not because of the Philip Brooks drops, because one, while it would have been a touchdown, ended up being inconsequential. And the other one was like the third play of the game. The The main one that concerns me is Cade Warner, because first off, I never thought I would see Cade Warner burn people deep, but he did it twice. <laughs> like, I didn't think he would beat anyone deep because that's just not his game. He's more that that technical, you know, hands receiver who's going to beat you intermediate because he's a good route runner. But now he gets behind the defense twice and can't come up with either catch, even though they were really well placed. But, you know, that those happen sometimes. But the other thing that really kind of that got to me that I kept thinking about was we're used to using Cade Warner as kind of a sift blocker in the running game. And we did it once and it he just outright whiffed and it kind of looked like a little bit of an effort problem to where he just kind of didn't sift and it got Adrian Martinez flipped on a QB power, which I, that, that, you know, Adrian Martinez is clearly a tough guy, but you still don't want your quarterback taking hits like that if you can avoid it. So, and outside of that, it was just the, the biggest receiving performance came from another room. And to me, you know, I, it's not a bad day. It's just not that amazing day that gets you an A. So I ended up giving them a B minus. I gave them a B for very similar reasons. Uh, there wasn't a ton wrong with what they did. K did have uh, a big drop uh, or two. Philip was the same. Uh, Malik had a nice day. Philip generally had a good day, um, but they weren't great days. They were solid days. These are the these are the sort of days that with the receiving core you're fine with i feel like and so that's why um they they do as a room they do get a touchdown so that's good but they did have uh some big uh miscues in various places that prevent them from getting an a um which i mean all all these other rooms are getting a's because they 
they did a really great job. And this receiver room didn't do a bad job by any stretch of the imagination. They just did a good job. So um, B for me. Yeah. Next up is tight ends fullbacks who, again, it, it's just such a great turnaround because, you know, obviously Benson at wide receiver one, you know, four for 80, including the, the grittiest, like, like he carried that pile for like a what a good like seven yards all if if not more yeah Yeah, he was incredible yeah he was carrying and even outside of the receiving game they had a pretty you know decent day blocking as well and they were getting open when they needed to especially on the inside dig route which i honestly think that the inside dig route to senate may become a uh, just a guess i really think that that's probably going to be a signature of this offense just because of how how did the royals win they were down 11 but <laughs> uh <laughs> sorry <laughs> i just got that notification <laughs> um, just because of how this klein's offense seems to like layer layering the routes i really think that that dig route to Ben Sinnott will start becoming a big part of the offense. But I ended up giving the tight ends and fullbacks an A for their performance because they had a pretty good day blocking and they had some of the most specifically Ben Sinnott. Ben Sinnott had some of the most consequential gritty and just high effort catches of the game, like proving that we like Ben Sinnott being Ben Sinnott, like him being quiet these last couple of weeks, that was more of a fluke than anything else. Yeah, I gave him an A as well uh, for pretty similar reasons. Again, uh, Ben Sinnott, uh, he had obviously a great day. He was the leading receiver in terms of yardage. Um, and yeah, this is this is the sort of stat line that he probably would have had the last few weeks if we had forced the ball deep a little bit more because he was breaking open several times. Uh, but he has a really, really nice day. Uh, does a good job blocking as well. Uh, Sammy Wheeler, he did get targeted once, but didn't do a lot in the uh, running game. Uh, blocking, I didn't notice uh, as many uh, errors as I did the week prior. Christian Moore got a couple of snaps and uh, didn't noticeably do anything wrong. So that's uh, not going to affect his, the grade or anything. No Jax Deneen. It seems like Jax just kind of doesn't have a spot in this offense right now, it feels like. Uh, he's kind of the odd man out because we aren't really using traditional fullback as much as we are uh, and when we uh, are tight, like tight ends, H back sort of thing. But, and when we, yeah, when we are, it's Christian Moore, which uh, maybe some of that's uh injury, but yeah. yeah, a for me for this group. They did, they did a nice job quietly. Yeah. Next room is offensive line. Now the offensive line, I mentioned earlier that the, the, our offensive line did not give up any sacks this game, which is true. And I also mentioned that a lot of that was due to Adrian Martinez's pocket presence. Now I'm not at all insinuating that the offensive line had a bad day because they ended up getting an A minus for me, but there were a few times that pass protection was a little bit iffy and running the ball on the inside was a little bit iffy. We'll say, but Against a talented front four that Oklahoma has, that's just inevitably going to happen. But with how much they bounced back from last week and how well they played together, how much that unit has has truly gelled, even when one goes down, you know, Panzer has to take a couple of seconds. BB has to take a few plays. You know, all of them end up working together in a cohesive way that keeps Adrian upright 
and manipulates rushes in a way to where there's always an escape route. And in the running game, they were good, especially on the outside, but the, the inside was a little bit shakier. That's still an A minus performance, especially with, you know, a, a line that I don't think has any three stars against a line that I'm pretty sure was almost exclusively made up of four stars and above. Oh uh, yeah, I gave him an A minus. Yeah. Um, a lot of the reason for it was uh, uh, that they were pretty good. Uh, I would say that they they did reach A territory because they did a really nice job uh, protecting Adrian Martinez. I felt like, uh, even though there were some uh, times that it looked like they were getting pretty close to getting there, um, but they they didn't allow a sack uh, and they blocked pretty well. Uh, so it, it's hard to complain too much. Dawson Delford stepped up when Cooper BB went out. Uh, so he deserves uh, a lot of credit for that too. Um, so yeah, a minus for me for the offensive line, a big step up in uh, effort and execution from last week. Yeah. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball. First off with defensive line, you know, we only got one sack. And again, this is another performance where one or two more sacks bumps the grade up. They ended up getting an a minus for me. They were solid in run defense. Felix was getting just held the entire game. And there were a lot of plays where it just very simply did not matter. And he forced Dylan Gabriel off of his spot. And the only reason those didn't result in sacks was because that's not Dylan Gabriel's blind side. <laughs> Felix would have, if Dylan Gabriel was right-handed, Felix probably would have walked away with a sack and a half this game. But outside of that, Huggy had an absolutely dominant first half. And then just kind of came down to earth. Well, first quarter, he kind of came down to earth the rest of the game, really played within himself. D Hens had a couple of really good sifts on zone runs, especially one that I'm thinking of where Daniel Green, and I think it was Daniel Green, ends up whiffing. And I'm like, well, here goes a touchdown. Wait a minute. Why is D Hens out there? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but yeah, everyone had a really good day. Um, you know, when they're not getting illegally blocked into the sidelines. <laughs> waiting for for joe hall to hit a flying cross body to the best blocking <laughs> tight end in the big 12 i'm still taking joe hall in that fight by the way yeah i, I gave him an a minus as well um they they did get a, a decent amount of pressure uh and they were getting held a lot at the game uh, the refs were really letting a lot go when it came to offensive line play on both sides i felt like yeah and uh which may uh, have so, been why we didn't give up any sacks. <laughs> that might have been it. That and Adrian's pocket awareness, I think, played a big a big part in that. Yeah. But uh it was uh it, it was a good day for the defensive line. I felt like they were the best defensive unit, in my opinion, at least the most consistent, I'd say. Uh they were pretty solid in run defense. Uh they they did their job. And you, you have to appreciate that. So A minus from me. Absolutely. Next room is linebackers who you know, I felt the linebackers did fine, but by virtue of this offense, fine was all they could really do. So I am kind of applying a little bit of a curve here. I ended up giving them a B plus. This was not Daniel Green's best day, and I kind of kind of didn't think it would be just because of how this this offense tended to work. But, you know, I he didn't have a bad day. Austin Moore had a pretty solid day. Austin Moore again just 
you know, he decided that he's one of the best players on the defense. Uh, Khalid Duke had a couple of pressures, a couple of really consequential rundowns in open space. But outside of that, they they were lacking that really big splash play for me. So I ended up just giving them a B plus, which is, you know, obviously great performance, but lacking big, 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 big impact. Yeah, I gave them a B for a similar reason. They felt invisible a lot of the game. Austin Moore statistically had a really great day, but it felt like we didn't see him a ton. Uh, They're making a lot of tackles after like five or six yard carries, uh, things like that. So they weren't unbelievably impactful, but they still played an important role. And they were in a really tough position for a lot of this game, like Ace said. So uh, I I give them a B uh, for that reason primarily. But, you know, again, they weren't a bad unit whatsoever. That that would be disingenuous to say that. So, um, yeah, they they did pretty good, I thought. But they could have been better. Yep. Next room is defensive backs. Now, this one, this one's interesting because on one hand, Omar Daniels getting absolutely dusted by Marvin Mims. That's unfortunate. It could have happened to anybody. Busted coverage on Theo Weiss. That's unfortunate. That could have happened to anybody. But on the aggregate, I feel like if you looked at, if you looked at the stats, you'll see that, oh, Dylan Gabriel had over 300 yards passing. How do you? How do you give the DBs a good grade today? Because the defensive backs, if this room was any different, if this is any other defensive back room in the Big 12 and maybe even the country outside of, you know, like Alabama and Georgia, those don't count. Those aren't those aren't college teams. Those are NFL light teams. Those don't count. Those don't count. But if you're like not counting the top tier teams, I'm not sure that there are any other defensive back rooms that can contain this offense in such a way that we did. I ended up giving them an A- minus because of the performances of Kobe Savage, of Drake Cheatham, and how they were able to limit the damage outside of those busted plays. Because if you take away those busts in coverage, which what the bust in coverage, I believe, was like a 55-yard completion and then a 70-yard completion, that knocks him down to roughly 200 yards. Which, if you would have told me that outside of two big plays, we would have held them to 200 yards, I would have thought we'd blow them out by like 30. <laughs> I ended up giving them an A minus. I gave them a B. This is probably where we differentiate the most, I'd say. Yeah. Um, they they did have those busting coverage that were converted, but they did have a few others I felt like that, oh, you missed, uh, whether it be a bad throw or otherwise. Uh, Drake Stoops, uh, he broke open uh once in like the first or second quarter and it was a surefire touchdown but it was just a bad throw um then yeah the the ones that you mentioned as well which granted that's really not omar's fault there should be more safety help there uh then um uh otherwise uh they did play pretty well i felt for the most part kobe savage getting 11 tackles julius brent's had a great day uh, i felt like uh josh hayes was solid as well drake cheatham uh, he made some very impactful tackles. Um, uh, Echo didn't have his brightest day, I felt like. Um, but I, I gave him a B because there were more busts in coverage uh, that did not end up mattering. Um, which, But they still did play well. I do like that you say that they limited the damage, which I think they did a good job doing that. And a lot of Dylan Gabriel's yards, those came uh, pretty late in the game when they were driving. We were playing prevent. 
Dylan so, Gabriel is padding his stats. <laughs> yeah, which you know, I, I did. I do think that Dylan Gabriel actually played pretty well. I came away from the game with a higher respect for him than I had going into it. I still don't think he's like the best quarterback in the Big Twelve or anything, but no. I do think he's better than I thought that he was. Which I did not have a super high opinion of him going in. To be fair, but yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I I gave him a B, uh, and they were not bad at all. They they were pretty good. But they they were not great, so I give him a B. Yeah, on the on the topic of Dylan Gabriel, I, he is he's kind of who I thought he was. He's not someone who's going to make mistakes and like at least mental mistakes. So he's not going to throw a pick. He's just not going to do that. But he's he's a quarterback that you can win with. But I'm not sure you're ever going to win because of if that makes sense. He's kind of oh, yeah, like that... the Derek Carr of Big Twelve quarterbacks. That, that kind of makes sense. I feel like uh, I got what you're getting at. He, you see him as like an amped up game manager, pretty much. Or, yeah. Or he can he can do more than most game managers can, but like he's not he's not like a true like take your team to the promised land type of QB. Yeah. <clears throat> so now we get into the offensive and defensive coordinators, and let's start off with the offensive coordinator. And I mentioned it earlier. It's such an improvement, and we get two firsts in the same episode because the second person to go from an F the previous week to actually technically he got lower than an F, but we don't talk about that grade. The 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 lowest grade that you could possibly get to an A plus is Colin Klein because he came out and he proved verifiably that not only can he scheme a running game and he can scheme it effectively. He can figure out how to adjust when certain plays aren't working. He knows how to not only manipulate how the defense is playing against his offense, forcing them to react in a bad way for what your play call is, but also, and I want to stress this immensely, he schemed Cade Warner open deep twice. That takes insane talent for someone who's just simply not a burner. And really, for all of the concerns that people have had, I really think that this was the game that Colin Klein got the opportunity and stepped up to the opportunity to let people know that, yes, he was the right choice. Yes, our offensive, our first numbers were like, oh, Messingham was more efficient. Yeah, technically, you're right. But does Messingham win this game? Does Messingham does Messingham scheme up things as well as he does? Does he manipulate box counts as well as Colin Klein does? No, he doesn't. This was a uniquely great Colin Klein performance. And this is what, this is better than his Texas bowl performance. He gets an A plus from me. Yeah, I gave him an A plus as well. There's really no other grade to give him. I think uh, after the way that the offense performed, uh, his play calling was great. I liked his uh, adjustments in game, uh, going to the screens and uh, the latter portions of the game uh, to just get the free access yards. Um, uh, it was it was a really nice choice uh, that still allowed us to continue within what we were doing, but just add another dimension to it after OU made adjustments for those, just to give him another thing to think about. Uh, that was a really nice choice, and then of course the uh, the touch of pettiness. Uh, with calling uh, the same play that he ran. Uh, I mean, there's no way you can't give him an A-plus after that. 
But and then and then of course uh, getting Adrian Martinez to perform at this level uh, and getting him comfortable to do that, he deserves a ton of credit for that. Him and uh, uh, Coach Kleiman, they both deserve a ton of credit uh, for that. So A plus, absolutely. And then the next one is Joe Klanderman, the defensive coordinator. And this is the lowest grade that I've given Klanderman this year. But again, a lot of that is by virtue of he said it himself. This this defense, you're always wrong. There's nothing that the youth there's there's no way to be right 100% of the time playing defense against anybody. But Oklahoma's goal was to make you wrong more than, you know, 60, 70% of the time. With that said, I feel like Klanderman called one of the best games that he possibly could have without completely shifting the schematics of K-State's defense. I ended up giving him an A minus because there were just a couple of times where I'm like, okay, that's the that's the coverage call here. You're gonna play, you're gonna play off coverage when you know they're probably going to run like that that speed dig or that quick slant. It's like, I mean, I guess that's fine, but you can't like I ended up giving him an A minus because there are a couple of times that he could have schemed up pressure a tiny bit better. A couple of times in busting coverage, which yes, when it happens more than once, I'm inclined to to kind of push that on. Like, okay, that's the coordinator. You kind of need to talk to your guys there. Like, make sure that don't, that stuff only happens once. But there's not a whole lot that I can complain about that isn't just nitpicky. So I ended up giving him an A minus. I gave him an A minus as well. Uh, he he did call a good game, like you said. I think he called one of the better games that he could have called. Um, uh, he, he did a good job in, uh, keeping OU at arm's length, uh, even when they did seem like they were going to come storming back, uh, in the first quarter when they got those two, uh, big scores, but they, uh, uh, but Klanderman, he, he was really good. I, I felt like, uh, adjusting, doing just enough, uh, to keep OU, uh, from really getting back into the game. Uh, so he does deserve a lot of credit for that. Like you said, could have been a little bit better. That is splitting hairs, which is a little bit unfair to him. But uh, to be fair in the grading, he does get an A minus. Yeah. So that's game day grades. And now we get into answering the questions from the pregame. And uh, (laughs) first one's funny. Does Colin Klein recover from an abysmal performance? Oh, gee, Ace. I don't know. Did he? Did he? You know, I, I think you can make a pretty convincing argument that, yeah. Yeah, he did. Just copy and paste everything we said during the game day grade session. (laughs) No need to linger on that. He was awesome. Next question. To take advantage of Oklahoma's zone coverages, does he implement more timing routes? Not necessarily timing routes, but he did use a little bit more clear out routes, which is another way to attack the zone coverages that Oklahoma really likes to run. You know, that and screens. Because by virtue of zone coverage, you're not always going to have a hat on a hat in the screen game. So if you see like three on three, you throw the bubble. If you see two on three, you throw the bubble. And that's just another great way to take advantage of zone coverage. And he did it. So no to the question, but he did something better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, copy paste what you said. Uh, not a lot to add there. But yeah, he, he, he had a great offensive attack. Can Adrian revert to even half of his Nebraska self? He was double his Nebraska self. <laughs> I was about to quote you from earlier because you did say that earlier. You, you said, uh, how about double? And that's exactly what we got. We got Adrian's best performance of his entire career. So, yeah, 
and yeah. his favorite game he's ever played, according to him. Yeah, uh, pretty pretty nice to hear that. And uh, he he gave a really good interview after as well. Uh, it seemed pretty genuine. Of course, we're we're looking at that through purple tinted glasses. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, uh, he 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 did talk about how um, he thinks it's special what's being built here. Uh, I hope he's right. Uh, Me too. That'd but, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. He absolutely. He did. He was that and more. Like I said. Over under on deep completions of two and a half. I think his long was twenty seven, and I consider deep to be twenty five. So I think he actually hit the under, but it barely matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's tough to say that he had one uh, deep. Uh, but he did hit intermediate a lot. Uh, he, hit that, he hit that really, really well. Uh, going deep, he, uh, at least according to PFF, which they consider to be 20 plus, he was one for five for 27 yards. Uh, granted, uh, there was a Cade Warner uh, drop. Two of those were Cade drops, I think. Oh, yeah. What was the other one then? So I, I can only think of the like over the shoulder on the run. Uh, but I don't recall what the other one was. I believe you. I just don't remember it. But Oh, the other um, one might have been credited as a pass breakup because he got his hand in. Oh, that's it. Yeah, because I was. Uh, yeah, I, I almost forgot about that play. I, I couldn't remember if that actually happened or not, because it looks it looked almost identical to like a Dalton Agreed. Schoen touchdown from like 2017. Yeah. And Cade Warner is Cade Warner and Dalton Schoen's Dalton Schoen. I'll let you read between the lines. And they, uh, <laughs> Jim Rat, real hard worker. <laughs> yeah. Lunch pail type of kid. Their numbers are similar. That's what I was getting at 83 and 85. But, uh, the, it was really close. Uh, and, uh, that one was just missed. I think you're right. They credited that as a pass breakup. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so under, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Does Deuce have to carry this team to victory? No, not at all. He had a great game, yeah, but carries was not necessary. Absolutely not necessary. Adrian carried this team, uh, um, all the way to the promised land. Here, will the offensive line have a better week after a hiccup against Tulane? Yes. Yep. Sure did. They sure did. Moving on. Can K State's defense defend another RPO-based team? Kind of satisfactorily. Yeah. They didn't not defend them all. I'll put it like that. They, they, they definitely attempted and did a decent enough job for most of the game. What will K-State's coverage approach be versus this talented receiving group? Barring the one busting coverage, drop the corners back, have the safeties play those intermediate zones or in sometimes Khalid Duke, at least if I'm remembering correctly. Again, sometimes the, Sometimes memory goes fuzzy, and other times angle zooms in on Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, that that is true. Um, I still do disgusting things for all twenty-two. You know what, Ace? I hope somebody's listening. I hope that someday you are able to to get that all (laughs) twenty-two. Last question. More importantly, win, lose, or draw, do we at least show life? I would say. Yeah, we it did. Seems so. I, I, I would, I would say that it comfortably seems like a yes uh, to that question. Um, they, they definitely uh, uh, showed a lot of life uh, in this match, and they, uh, they deserve a lot of credit for that. Kleiman deserves a ton of credit for getting the team right 
that seems like one of Kleiman's specialties. It's like a it's like a perk. He yeah, has, he has or, the coaching perks. Yeah, where like after a bad loss, if you're facing like a ranked team, you get like plus five to all attributes or something, and like double motivation or something. But yeah, you, everyone starts hot. Yeah, everybody starts hot for big games. That's kind of a climbing specialty. It seems like he's three and one against uh, AP top ten. I believe I saw with all three of the wins being OU, and then I think the other loss also being OU. Yeah, so... I think it was. <laughs> I mean, it's just OU. It's just yeah. Um, so although Oklahoma state, there's a shot, that'll be a top 10 matchup. They snuck in this week. Uh, so might get more opportunities with that. But. There's a legit chance that that's like a top 10 team. It's like, that's a dual top 25 matchup. Yeah. There there's actually a pretty good shot of that. Um, but it must we'll be see. noon. I want Gus Johnson. I'll be at the game, but I still want Gus Johnson. <laughs> I want Gus Johnson. So when the highlights happen and Adrian has a huge run, I can listen to Gus Johnson yell about it. That's why I want Gus Johnson because uh, he's, he's there. He is loose. <laughs> he he coined that. I think people forget that sometimes. People but... forget about that because like, the... Gus Johnson called. I think the first two K State games that year because they were uh, they were both big new and it was K State Arkansas State and K State OU and we got both of them somehow. Yeah, loose. He is loose. I I still don't think anything will ever like as much as I love. As much as I love all of Gus Johnson's touchdown calls, I, I don't think anything will ever stick out in my mind as much as him saying touchdown Sparty. There's something special about that one. I don't know why. Fair enough. I mean, I whenever I think of Gus, I don't even think of football. I think of the Sweet 16 game against Xavier That's uh, fair. with K-State. That's why I always think of Gus. Yeah. Anyway, next up is MVPs. Offensive MVP is Adrian Martinez. I mean, it's obviously Adrian. He he dropped it in pretty much every single throw. He was making incredible throws. A lot of times he was making great touch passes that were just over outstretched hands. Uh, he was taking significantly more risks in this match, in this game. I don't know why I keep saying match in this game than uh, uh, he had uh, any prior week. Uh, he was making big throws constantly. It seemed like he was obviously had a ton of big runs four touchdowns in the long 55 yarder uh he he was excellent and he deserves uh this mvp of course this is what i get for going back on my promise of picking him every week until he got it <laughs> the very week i stop he he ends up getting the mvp um but yeah he, that just means you can never pick him again <laughs> that's true actually i'm never picking adrian again actually like, with the expectation that he will do this every single week now so <laughs> yeah and now defensive mvp this is actually one that we had quite a bit of back and forth over we i think both of our finalists were safeties but we ended up picking different safeties i believe i picked a corner oh you picked a corner oh okay i ended up picking drake cheatham and it's not because he it's not just because he had the highest pff grade but he was legitimately like just throughout the Kobe Savage had more counting stats. That's objectively true. Julius Brents had more counting stats. He had nine as opposed to five, but every single tackle that Drake Cheatham made was of insane consequence. Like on the swing pass, for example, but outside of that, a lot of times when you didn't notice Drake Cheatham on the field, that's because 
Well, he was off in the middle of nowhere, locking down a receiver deep. And he was taking those one-on-one matchups. He's like, all right, fine, I can do it. I picked off a guy against Texas A&M. Big schools don't scare me. And, you know, he credit to him. He had an absolutely amazing game. So he's going to be my pick for defensive MVP. Yeah, um, he he had a great day. I went with Julius Brents for my MVP, though. Um, a lot of it's because he's continued to just out of absolutely nowhere, just like commit battery against every <laughs> single like person with the ball that he faces, intentionally causing harmful or offensive contact with the person of another. Yes, I'm so <laughs> sad that I have to know that, but he, uh, but he, he, he's just been, he's been, he's been a little different in run support. It feels like this year he's been hitting so hard. He had great coverage a lot of the time. There was a throw where he had blanket coverage and uh, Mims didn't make the catch and the commentators were like, oh, that's a catch he normally makes. I'm like, is it though? Like that was kind of blanket coverage and Julius really played well there. Uh, and I don't know, I felt like there was a lot of highlights where Julius, uh, his size was so important in this game uh, to where he was able to um, do a little bit extra to make Dylan Gabriel have to account for his long arms and the fact that he's like six foot, whatever. Six four, 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 yeah, and he uh he, he had to change the calculus a little bit for uh Dylan Gabriel uh whenever Brents was out there in zone and that caused him to miss at least one throw. So I went with Julius. He also had nine tackles, which was a really really nice performance for an outside corner. Uh, so yeah, he was great. But again, deep, defensive trash talk. <laughs> he did. He he's one of those corners that never uses his mouthpiece, so he can talk. But <laughs> Yeah, he was one of uh, a few, I think, solid picks in the secondary. Cheatham was another. Uh, Savage was another. Uh, you could have even made an argument for Hayes, uh, but but yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say uh, Julius Prince, offensive MVP. Now we can get into the final segment, which is takeaways from the game. And the first one is when this team is on. Oh boy, they are dangerous. And it's not just on defense. It's when the offense is clicking. This is an insanely complete team that I I can't. This is a team that very easily could separate itself from the rest of the Big 12 if this is a performance we can start to expect. I'm not ready to say that this is the performance we should begin to expect. I'm not ready to say that yet. It's been one game. And as reactionary as I am, I'm not ready to do that. But if it is we easily separate from the rest of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. This was an incredible game uh, for this team. They did it against a great opponent on one of the biggest stages that you could imagine primetime against Oklahoma uh, on a national network. Uh, It was, it was the game on at the time. And uh, at least as far as I recall, I don't know if there's another big game happening uh, around the, uh, it was it was the game, and it was a great game. K State took the opportunity to put on a show in front of a national audience and show that they belonged, and that the Tulane game was an aberration as opposed to the norm. At least we're hoping so. And <laughs> um, yeah, like you said, when this team uh, is clicking and they're reaching their potential, this is the team that we thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season. I think everybody was starting to get a little antsy about that, and understandably so after the Tulane game. I mean, we were too. Uh, we thought that maybe the calculus for the season was going to change, but you know, 
if you're going to lose a game, lose it in non-conference because uh, it's the conference record that matters when you're trying to get to Arlington. So, yeah. yeah. And it, I never had college football playoff ex- like dreams anyway, so... <laughs> that that would be a cherry on top. So, I mean, with an expanded playoff, maybe someday. I think that... I Okay, hot take completely unrelated to anything. If Kleiman stays through the expanded playoff system, I think the K-State makes the playoff at least twice in his tenure. I agree. I think that'd be fair. I mean, twelve teams. I think that's doable. Because sure. I mean, anyway. you're pretty much ex- you're pretty much expecting him to make or heavily compete uh, for two Big Twelve titles. Assuming, and I say heavily compete, I mean make it to Arlington. So yeah. And with what he's shown for program building, I think that that's fairly realistic. I'd say. And also, who we have coming in at quarterback, but <laughs> yeah. Which another thing to be said about this game. Is everything that we were doing? I was like, man, Avery Johnson could definitely do this, right? I I was having that thought multiple times in the game. Like Adrian Martinez, I was like, that's the sort of play that I would want out of Avery Johnson. Not night in, night out. That's a way too high a bar to clear. But he was making throws, and the way he was running, I was like, this is this is what I ultimately want Adrian or Avery Johnson to be. So sorry to derail there, but that was a thought that I had that I forgot to mention earlier. And uh, just I can totally see why this scheme becoming the scheme seemed to be kind of the difference maker in that recruitment uh, in the long term. Because uh, if I mean, if, I, if I'm Avery Johnson, I see that happen. I'm like, yeah, I can definitely do that. Like, yeah. like that's 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 his jam right there. The uh, the mobile quarterback with a strong arm uh, that's willing to take risks. And also needs to make plays with his legs. Uh, a true athlete. This is like a mid twenty teens TCU QB. Yeah, but <laughs> but like better passing, I guess. But yeah. But yeah. N- next up, next takeaway is Klein is more than capable as an offensive coordinator when he has an open playbook. Are we just rolling with the theory that they really just wanted to hold the playbook back until conference play? Oh, no, no, no. I think Tulane, he just got, I think he got in his own head and I think he got smoked. But for MU and uh, in South Dakota, I think the playbook was mostly closed. No, Tulane, he just got smoked. But that happens. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, but yeah, uh, he, yeah, he was confident as a play caller, it seemed. Uh, and part of that was getting Adrian Martinez to believe in himself to throw downfield, it seems like, uh, which, I mean, obviously that helped a great deal. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, when Klein has a, uh, a, a tool chest uh, filled with the weapons that this office can provide him, uh, clicking and buying into the scheme, then he's going to call great games, which I don't think that's too controversial to say because we've seen it before. But uh, seeing it again this season with a new QB and some new personnel, it's helpful. Yep. Next up is the O-line actually has more depth than we thought it would. And this was without Andrew Langay. So that's good. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that too. Uh, and then, of course, Langay is the future. Uh, so uh, not even including him in the equation. You know, that, that only adds to the depth. Yep. Next up is... Adrian Martinez, take a bow, son, both figuratively and literally right in the face of Oklahoma fans and that really obnoxious yell leader. But it, that was an amazing performance. And, you know, like you said, like we've been saying, if he keeps that up, not, he's an all Big 12 pick. Easy. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, if he continues this, he is definitely all Big 12. Uh, he 
Um, again, taking the bow, uh, gotta love it. Uh, it's a, he, he deserves to be able to, uh, to have some swagger like that in the middle of the game. Uh, the post from last night with K State, uh, with the picture of Adrian bowing, it's got over 10,000 likes on Twitter right now. Uh, and they posted the video of it again at 9 uh, a.m. At 9 a.m., exactly. Uh, and gotta love that because uh, it actually was posted last night and I sent it to a friend, but by the time it got to them, uh, the post had been deleted and they were like, what, what did you just send me? And I was like, it was just there. I swear. But, um, I believe, uh, the slow-mo video, I believe I saw, I saw, uh, somebody from the K-State creative team posted. I can't remember their name. First name, Alec, I believe. Uh, but yeah, great, great shots. Creative teams are getting some great, uh, shots this year. Like the, uh, DJ Giddens fireworks. Yeah. Uh, post some that was really good. there. Yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, uh, yeah nine a.m. Take a bow, you earned it. Yeah. Gonna skip the next one because we kind of mentioned it. It was literally just this team will not be denied when when the cards are down. The final one is Arlington's still very much in the cards. In fact, we're second in the conference right now. Right. We're not going to talk about who's at first because they haven't played anybody. But <laughs> yeah, but... Arlington. Arlington. That that's not a uh uh like a uh something that's far out I it's feel not like. far-fetched it's not yeah. it, it's not like a pipe dream it's at this point it kind of seems like an expectation yeah. i think it's an expectation in the locker room too yeah, as it should be and a lot of that is going to come down to can this team maintain this level of preparedness and performance week in week out which it's going to be hard because there's not a gimme in the Big 12 this year. They've got Texas Tech at home, which going to the year we would have called a gimme, but they just uh, played a great game against Texas. They are not a gimme whatsoever. Uh, KU, that's not going to be a gimme, no, no matter what we say about who they've played thus far. At no, it's minimum, not gonna, it's, not at minimum it's not They're a competent. Game. They're yeah. competent now. Offensively, offensively, they do have a brain. Defensively, I'm completely unconvinced. But, no, 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 the defense is still yeah. awful, but... Yeah. But there, there's not going to be an easy game here. I mean, TCU, they've they've been pretty good this year as well. Uh, uh, Max Duggan has really taken the reins there with Chandler Morris injured. Uh, there's not an easy opponent this year in the Big 12. And so K-State, they might be playing, if you count the Big 12 as a division, this is probably a top four, maybe three division in all of college football. Uh, it goes top to bottom. It's really, really good. So, I mean, every non-conference opponent that we faced is not as good as the teams we're going to be facing in the Big 12, I'd say. It's, and The Big 12 is going to be a bloodbath. It is. And there's going to be a lot of cannibalization, and the national media narrative is going to be that the Big 12 is uh, just a mediocre conference, and they keep beating each other because of it. I'd posit that it's just because there's a lot of really good teams in the Big yeah. 12, and that's why. But that's not going to be the national narrative because you see when the SEC does it, it's just because uh, all the teams are good and it's like so hard to win week in, week out. I'm applying that same logic to the Big 12 because I think the Big 12 is going to be really great this season, which is weird that we get that treatment for basketball, not for football. But that's beside the point. Yeah. You have any final thoughts? Um, This was an incredibly fun, entertaining game to watch. This is 
it feels like a lot of times in these entertaining games in the past for K-State, we did not come out on top. And the climbing era, this is now the third win over OU over a big opponent. Uh, we're beating these great teams more often than we have in the past, dropping a few more head scratchers. But I have to hope by year four, climbing has figured out how to keep the team up for these games that so that we don't have a letdown. Granted, Tech is in the exact same boat that we are, um, where they uh, they've got a a potential letdown game on the road here. I think both teams see this as a trap game, which is going to yeah. be really funny. Because uh, uh, giving credit to, to Texas Tech, their strength of schedule blows ours out of the water. Yeah, uh, that is true. Other than the the game we just played, but they're non-con, but yeah. without a doubt. Uh, yeah, uh, nothing else to add. Yeah. Other than it really, really sucks that the game is at 11 a.m. on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, what a blunder. That is... I at, on one hand I can't blame them because who would have really thought like who would have really thought that this would have been a, like a consequential matchup at all? But the Aggieville Alley Cats, obviously, who never for a second doubted the outcome of this game, quit making that face because you know that <laughs> we never once doubted the outcome of this game. We always were in the camp. Of Am I going to have to go back and like re- like? revoke the the history there am i gonna have to delete the episode of the oklahoma preview <laughs> what episode all right pal there is no war in bossing say but <laughs> <laughs> but last thing i'll say is go cats and the next week like you said it is the texas tech red raiders at home one of two big 12 schools that i genuinely consider to be friends so Unfortunately, we must do what we must do. But you, you hate to see it, but it's got to be really done. Do. Sorry, gambling couches. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and Cats. If you want to email us, we're Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edwards 00. I am at Connor Boutsor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards, the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.